A lot of storylines this spring training. A man who will be down there in a few days in Clearwater covering the Phils. Editorial director, Phillies Nation. Uh, at Tim Kelly Sports is where you can find him on Twitter. Also, their team here at Odyssey Sports. Uh, Tim Kelly joins us. What's up, Tim? What's going on, Tom? A few years ago, I would have been honored to come into that song. I'm not <laughs> sure where, where I stand now. It's probably not a very good thing. Yeah, well, we'll just we'll just move on and, and talk about, uh, you know, so, some better things, some baseball things, Tim. And obviously, I'm sure you were dialed in all weekend uh, to the spring training games. Start off here, just what were some of your some of your observations, you know, watching baseball back and, and seeing the Phils back out on the field? Yeah, I mean, I think without a doubt, the pitch clock has been the, the talk of everything so far, and I've enjoyed it. I think maybe it could be a few seconds longer, but by and large, I do think games got to a point over the last five to ten years that were too long. I like that the pitch clock is in, and I like the banning of the shift. So I'm excited to see that. I think it's going to be an adjustment for everyone. There's no question. But by the middle of the season, I think most people will have come to the conclusion that they liked it. Yeah, Tim, and and to me, like what was crazy was how noticeable it was. Just like at home watching the game, looking down at my phone, and I realize I'm missing like multiple batters at a time. I was surprised the noticeable impact it immediately had. Uh, do you think that this is something that could draw in you know younger fans and and more people to the game if you can decrease games from three oh five, three ten to to two forty? Well, I, I think that there's a, a possibility it does that. The other thing that it does is I think there's a lot of people, including people that love the sport, that do feel like the games have been too long. Like uh, over the last couple seasons, I feel like if it was a game uh, three and a half hours, you felt like, all right, that was a, a relatively quick game. That, that 20 years ago, that would have been the longest game of the season. It became like a, a regular thing over the past few seasons. So, uh, I think it will even increase the enjoyment of some of the people that are watching no matter what, and that's kind of something that's been lost in this whole debate. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that, Tim, no doubt about it. And when you look at the team, obviously uh, a lot of optimism, a lot of expectations for this Phillies team, and a lot of that is due to the addition of Trey Turner. Uh, saw him a little bit over the weekend. I mean, look great. How big of an addition is that, and how big of an impact uh, do you think Trey Turner is going to have at the top of the lineup, especially with some of the rule changes. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of go about having him steal bases or not steal bases. I know he's wearing both the oven mitts on both hands now so because uh, he's had issues in the past with, I think he broke his or injured his thumb. He, uh, he jammed his thumb late in the season last year with the Dodgers. Uh, it's one of those things where I want to see stolen bases come back in baseball but I also do understand why they went away in the sense that they weren't necessarily, uh, if you ran the numbers, like more often than not, it didn't end up being a great proposition. So with the increased base size and uh, some of the rules about throwing over, I'm interested to see someone like him, how much does he push it and how much does he push it because he's going to turn 30 in July. And when you're 22, it's a lot easier to steal bases than when you're 30 and it takes a lot out of you. So He's one of the 10 or 15 best players in baseball. It'll be exciting to see him play 145 or more games this season for the Phillies. Uh, and it's obviously, it's huge. Like they, they could not have withstood uh, losing Bryce Harper for this amount of time, however long that ends up being, without having made an addition like Trey Turner. Yeah, and Tim, to me, that's that's the real big story this year uh, is can the Phillies be able to weather the storm without Bryce? Because I think that's something that as great as Bryce Harper is, 
I feel like it's something people are overlooking to a degree. Um, you know, how do you think they go about doing that? Do you think it's a lot of Derek Hall? Do you think it, it involves more of getting Nick Castellanos out of the outfield? And and do you think it's something the Phillies will be able to overcome in large part because of the addition of Turner? Well, I think the reason people are so confident is because they essentially did it last year. Like, if you had said before the season last year, Bryce Harper's going to only play 99 games and Gene Segura, who was one of your key pieces, is going to miss two months or whatever it ended up being, uh, you would have said, oh, they have no chance to make the playoffs. And they ended up going on a heater the second half of the – really, once Joe Girardi was replaced by Rob Thompson – uh, right after Memorial Day. So that's one of the reasons I think people are confident heading into this year that you can withstand the Bryce Harper thing. Uh, Derek Hall, I would imagine, will get the bulk of the at-bats against right-handed pitchers. But in other instances, I think you're going to see Edmundo Sosa, whether he's at third base, whether he's at shortstop, second base, wherever, and maybe even center field. Uh, I think that the Phillies really like him, and his bat has played up since he came to the Phillies. He had a long home run today. So uh, for a team that maybe isn't doesn't have a ton of gold glove type fielders, he's the best fielder on the team. You'll get his glove in, and maybe you'll get Alec Bohm out uh, and have him DH. Maybe you'll have Bohm shift to first and have Reese Hoskins DH, whatever the case ends up being. I think they're in pretty good position to uh, hold things over till Harper gets back. But obviously, Harper's the best player on your team, and I think the Phillies overestimated. It's just a guess of mine. Uh, when they say he's going to miss or he's going to be back around the all-star break, because then if he comes back in mid June, it looks like a, a miraculous recovery. So, uh, the sooner you get him back, the better, obviously. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Tim. Tim Kelly joining us now, editorial director for Phillies Nation. You can find him at Tim Kelly Sports on Twitter. And we'll get to some of the main guys in the lineup, Tim. But you mentioned Sosa there, and that's something that I think you know is is maybe an underrated part of this team. But kind of the improved bench. What do you think about the way they filled out this roster and having guys like Sosa um, who who can step in and, and guys on that bench who you can kind of rely on? Yeah, I mean, you added Josh Harrison, you added Garrett Stubbs. This wasn't a, like there's not that many guys in camp this year as non-roster guys. That's usually one of the storylines of spring training is uh, a couple guys that are around for a while, guys like Neil Walker um, that have been uh, – Guys that have been in camp with the Phillies the last few years, and then ultimately made the club. The Phillies didn't have many chances to sign guys like that this year because there aren't many spots to compete for. So, it, what it's also done is given you the possibility of do you keep someone like Jake Cave that can play in the outfield as opposed to keeping Derek Hall as your left hander? I'm not sure they're going to end up doing that, but uh, it's taken you from a point where you're like, well, no big deal. Bryce Harper's out, but Derek Hall piece it against right-handed pitchers so now you're deep enough that it's at least a discussion I think whether Derek Hall is on that opening day roster and in the lineup yeah and obviously Tim another guy who we're going to be keeping an eye on from uh, some of the main players in the lineup here Nick Castellanos who, who had a disappointing year last year how important is it for him to bounce back and, and what do you think the chances of that are obviously hit a home run yesterday but uh, how optimistic should Phillies fans be about a Nick Castellanos bounce back I would just say, look at what he's done throughout the course of his career. This is not someone that just went to Cincinnati. Like, There's lots of people that go to Great American Ballpark and play a season or two and have numbers that prove to be outliers in their career. But he played in Comerica Park, and he famously complained about it near the end of his time with the Tigers. 
that he wasn't hitting enough home runs because it's such a big park. But uh, over the last seven or eight seasons, I think Freddie Freeman's the only one in baseball that's hit more doubles than him. So history tells you he's just not, he's a much better hitter than what he was a season ago. And based off of that, you think he should bounce back. Now, the Phillies signed him thinking he was going to be the DH more often than not. And for another season, that's not going to be the case. Even when Bryce Harper comes back, he's coming back as the DH. Uh, at least at the beginning. So I think with Castellanos, you're just going to have to know it is what it is in the outfield, but offensively is where you need the bounce back. Getting away after the season, I think being able to reset was probably a good thing for him. And it, it will be interesting early on. If he's able to bounce back and you add Bryce Harper back into the lineup, this is a team that went to the World Series last year, didn't have Trey Turner, and didn't have Nick Castellanos playing at a high level. I mean, it could maybe be the best lineup in baseball. Tim Kelly joining us now, editorial director at Phillies Nation. He'll be down in spring training in a couple days here. And, uh, Tim, another guy I wanted to ask you about in the lineup, Alec Bohm, hits a home run today. And with Bryce out, you'd imagine he's going to be a guy the Phillies are going to need more offensive production from and more power from. Um, you know, what do you expect from Bohm this year? And how encouraging was it to see the way he really came on uh, late in the season, in the postseason last year? Because in the playoffs, you really felt good about him Him every time he came to the plate. Yeah, you did. I would say a lot of the same things with Castellanos apply to Bohm. He's going to grade out as one of the worst defenders at third base, although he does have moments of brilliance over there. But truth be told, he's probably better off being a DH or first baseman, but that's not an option this season. So you'll get what you get at third base. Offensively, though, I, I really feel like if it's going to happen, this is the year that he takes the step in terms of driving the ball more consistently. And nobody's suggesting he becomes a three-true-outcomes player where either walks, strikes out, or hits a home run. But, I mean, look at the swing today. This is a guy that should hit 25 to 30 home runs. That's not a stretch for him, and that's not at the expense of the ability to go the other way because that's what he did in the next at-bat. But, I mean, if you go over the average home run distance uh, since he's been in the league, almost every home run he's hit is 400-plus feet. This is someone with real power, and you've seen glimpses of it. If that can be unlocked consistently, and really, Nick Castellanos, what he was coming into Philadelphia last year is kind of a good blueprint for what you would want Alec Bohm to be, a doubles hitter that uh, hits home runs occasionally, too, because he drives the ball so well into the gap some just carry out, but he primarily becomes a doubles hitter that goes gap to gap. If he's able to become that this year, and this is one of the reasons I look around a lot of teams every year convince themselves that everything's going to go perfectly, but I see things with the Phillies that could realistically go much better than they did a year ago in addition to some guys that did play well a year ago, and it, it makes you wonder if this could very well be a, a better regular season team than what you got last year. Yeah, and I mean, they're they're going to need that. And uh, we'll get to a couple pitching staff questions in a minute, but one more on the lineup, Tim, um, that I wanted to ask about. A few of the young left-handed hitters, Brandon Marsh, Bryson Stott, obviously those were guys who gave kind of encouraging signs last year. Uh, Marsh's offense started to come around a little bit, and Bryson Stott, uh, tremendous approaches at the plate. Um, how much do you think this could really ascend that lineup to the next level if those guys are able to take uh, more steps forward at the bottom of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, it really builds on that previous point that I made. I think Bohm of that trio is clearly the one that has the highest upside offensively. But Bryson Stott, although the numbers on the back of the baseball card didn't look great at the end of the season, 
he had a lot of really good at bats. He had a lot of clutch hits, clutch just periods where he worked the count even if he didn't end up on base. And he, he's someone that in the second half of the season was significantly better than the first half. Brandon Marsh, once he got to the Phillies, was better. And, and truth be told, Brandon Marsh is going to be your eight or nine hitter. Like, if he plays really good defense and is just like an average major league hitter, that plays in this lineup. And those are the three that I kind of look at, and I know I'm not the only person who said this, that you have a really good lineup. It's guys like Bryce Harper when he comes back, Trey Turner, JT Real Muto, Reese Hoskins, like established major league hitters, Castellanos, if he bounces back. And then you have that trio with Bohm, Marsh, and Stott that realistically it's not like thinking too positively to believe that two of those guys could take major steps forward offensively. And and where are you then if that comes to pass and you get Bryce Harper back uh, somewhere in the middle of the season? If you're not the best lineup, you're pretty close to it. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Now, I wanted to ask you a few uh, questions about, about the pitching staff here, Tim. And first off, the bullpen. We'll start there. Um, you know, I think one of the more interesting guys to watch this year is Jose Alvarado, who was tremendous last year, uh, kind of surprisingly so after going down to the minor leagues. Um, how confident should Phillies fans be in him being able to replicate what he did last year uh, versus the concern of him kind of reverting back to what he was previous? Well, what I would say is that it wasn't as simple as just he went to the minors and that fixed his control and he came back. Like he started throwing another pitch more consistently that he was able to locate. And that was his problem. Everybody knew he had world-class, legitimately, like he has the stuff to be the best reliever in baseball. It was a matter of throwing the ball over the plate. And I I think a lot of people, myself included, weren't sure he was ever going to do that enough. But then they pivoted to this cutter and it's a credit to Caleb Cotham and everyone involved in the process that they found out the, they found a pitch that he can consistently locate. And the rest of the pitches, if he just gets him anywhere near the strike zone, he throws so hard and is so he really is an intimidating pitcher to go uh, to get into the batter's box against for a variety of reasons. He's huge. Sometimes you don't know where the ball is going. There's a million different things going on with him. Uh, I guess you worry a little bit that the workload from last year with both him and Sir Anthony Dominguez uh, maybe catches up to them, but I I don't anticipate we're going to see a revert to the old Jose Alvarado that just couldn't throw strikes. Uh, Another interesting addition in the bullpen, uh, Craig Kimbrell, veteran, been around a while, had a good outing um, in his uh, relief uh, outing on Monday against the Pirates. What can you expect from him, Tim, and what role do you think he's going to play in this bullpen? Yeah, the Phillies, as they didn't, they didn't have a quote unquote closer last year and they went to the World Series. So Rob Thompson, at least going into the season, is going to have that same mindset. But this, regardless of what he does with the Phillies and moving forward, Craig Kimbrell is a borderline Hall of Fame closer. He's been that good. And I would think if push comes to shove on opening day, whether it's Nola or Wheeler, they go six, seven innings. You bring in Alvarado, you bring in Sir Anthony, and then I think if it's a safe situation in the ninth inning, the guy that gets that right of first refusal is going to be Craig Kimbrell. And I'm interested to see because, like I said, he's like another all-star year or two away from making himself a surefire Hall of Famer. I think he's seventh all-time in saves, and he has a chance to move up that list. So it's a really interesting guy to bring in, and it is a case of there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal because he's not that far removed from having been an all-star with the Cubs a couple of years ago. So 
it's worth the shot in my opinion. And the Phillies were so reliant in the playoffs last year on Alvarado and Sir Anthony. Sir Anthony has an injury history. You were bringing Ranger Suarez into the bullpen, even though he was scheduled to start games. They've added significant bullpen depth this offseason, and I think that that makes them better equipped to compete both in the regular season and the postseason. Tim Kelly joining us now, editorial director, Phillies Nation. Just uh, two more for you here, Tim. First off, um, Andrew Painter making his debut Tomorrow, what do you think the chances are that, that Painter earns a, a job in this rotation? Do you think that would be wise of the Phillies uh, to have him with the club to start the year? I might have to take a rain check on answering okay. the second question because I legitimately don't know until we see him make a, make a few uh, appearances. Look, it, the Phillies haven't shied away, though, from promoting the possibility of him being on the opening day roster. So I would say... Uh, if he looks the part, he'll probably be that number five guy. If not, though, he's not going to turn 20 until mid-April. Like People talk about Dave Dombrowski had a history of bringing Justin Verlander, bringing Josh Beckett up early. Even they were a year or two older than what Painter is right now. So if he has to go back to AAA, where I don't believe he's ever pitched to start the season, and Bailey Falters, your number five starter, was very effective in the second half of the season last year, I don't think that that's the the worst thing in the world. Fair enough. And just one more for you, Tim. Uh, my big question of the night. Uh, if you had to choose, what do you think is more likely? Phillies win the NL East or they miss the playoffs this year? Ooh, that's uh, like I, I've been very positive, I think, in this <laughs> call. And in general, on my outlook of the Phillies, I think they're like a 90-win team. But I think the Mets and Braves are like 95 to 100-win teams. And... That's already two teams. I think the then NL West is going to produce two playoff teams and the Giants and the Padres, and obviously the NL Central gets a playoff team regardless. So, uh, yeah, is there a scenario where the Phillies win like 87 or 88 games and are the first team out of the playoffs? Yeah, I, I could see that, and I would say right now that's probably a more likely scenario than the Phillies winning the NL East because I think that'll take like 97 wins, and without Bryce Harper, that's going to be difficult, but – I don't think either one of those scenarios is going to be one unfold. I would guess they'll be the second or third wild card team. Well, that's Tim Kelly, editorial director of Phillies Nation. You can find him on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports. And Tim, uh, tell everybody what they can be expecting. I'm sure you'll have a lot of coverage uh, from down in Clearwater this weekend. Correct? Yeah, I mean, we obviously we mentioned Jose Alvarado. I'm hoping to catch up with him and do a story because he uh, had the breakout season. He's gonna. He just got a new contract. He's gonna be in the World Baseball Classic. There's a lot of uh, exciting things, and he's a pretty open and honest guy, in my experience. So, hoping to talk to him, and then obviously Andrew Painter continues to be the story of camp and the, the pitch clock as well. Yeah, well, a lot of stuff. No shortage of things to talk about. No doubt about that. Tim, thanks for hopping on, man. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Yep. Take it easy. That's Tim Kelly, uh, Phillies Nation.